series on, did I not do this right thing? The, okay, battery, okay. Okay, sorry, now I overclicked. Okay, we're gonna do a, a, a series on God's faithful love, God's chesed. Now, it's interesting in the Bible, there are several different words uh, in the Greek and Hebrew for love. Now, in English, we just have one. That means that uh, in, in, in the morning, if a husband says to his wife, I love you, and then in the afternoon, he says, I love the warriors, he's actually using the same word but it has two different meanings. At least we hope it has two different meanings. <laughs> but the biblical authors, what's good about them is, is, is they have many words for the word love. And so when they use them, they can, they can talk about specific nuances or, or, or details about this love because they have so many different words for love. In this few weeks, we're going to be looking at hesed, which is God's faithful love. Now, hesed actually describes a love that holds firm to promises and commitments, no matter uh, what the cost or, uh, or, or what, what, the, um, what the sacrifice. When God promised Abraham and Sarah that you're going to be parents of a great nation, God would stick to that promise, not just to Abraham and Sarah, but, but to, his, to their grandchildren, to their great-great-grandchildren, to their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren, that, that God says, I'm going to hold to this promise because of my love, because of my faithfulness. And, you know, Abraham, he doesn't have control over what his great-great-great-grandchildren are going to do. And some of them didn't do very good things. And some of them, some of his great-great-great-great-grandchildren were not very godly people or, or did, you know, horrible things. And yet God says, uh, because of my love and my commitment to Abraham... I'm still going to fulfill this promise. I will never forget this promise. I will never take away my love because I have promised this love and I am faithful no matter what happens. And that's really chesed. It's a bond that cannot be broken. It is a love that continues from generation to generation through hurts, through trials, through disappointments, even through betrayals. This is God's chesed, his faithful love. Now, today you may be here, and you may have never um, felt this type of love. Maybe you have friends, very close friends, and for whatever reason, they have left you, or they've gone their own way. Maybe you've had parents who you know have tried their best, but maybe they still had conditions about their love, or maybe uh, they had limits or lapses in their love, or maybe you've had uh, those in your life where you have trusted in them, depended upon them, and maybe they have failed to keep those promises. And so, so we have these things, but God says specifically and particularly to you, he says, I will never leave you because this is the type of God that I am, a God of chesed, a God of faithful love. I will never fail you. When I promise, and in my word, I have promised so many times how much I will love you, that I will never harm you, that I will give you a future, that I will give you a promise of hope. I will never disappoint you. These are God's words, and he, he means it because God's love is, is his chesed. And so today, as we think about Mother's Day, we want to focus on a story, a biblical story of a single mom who took on a new daughter 
and how God used their example to illustrate his faithful love, his hesed, to all of mankind. And of course, I'm talking about Naomi and Ruth. And so I'd like you to turn with me to Ruth chapter 1, verse 8. Ruth chapter 1, verse 8. And shall we stand in reverence for the word of God? And this is the word of God from Ruth chapter 1. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go and return each one of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them, and, she lift, and they lifted their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you and your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they will become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night that should bear sons, would you wait until they are grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So from this passage, we're going to see that God will not fail to show his faithful love to, to those who show faithful love to others. Now, I know this is kind of a, a long sentence to remember in terms of a, a, a kind of a main idea, but basically, it's hesed for hesed. God shows his faithful love to those who show faithful love. And, 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 and as, we, um, as we show faithful love to others, we really do experience and know the love of God. Now, there's no better... Um, human example of God's faithful love than a love for a mother and her child. And it was funny because I was telling uh, my family as I was looking at this, I was looking at the, um, the internet trying to get pictures of mothers and children. So I typed in mothers and children. And I tried to get all these ethnic groups. And, uh, and I noticed that when I was doing through the ethnic groups, there were no Asians, actually. There were no Chinese. I was like, this is really odd, you know? And so I kept going through, going through, and there's no Chinese. So I had to actually look up Asian mothers with daughters. And, and, and I found this picture, but this was a very rare picture because they had hundreds of pictures of Asian mothers loving their daughters, and the picture that they always showed was a mother standing at the table like this and the kid doing her studies. You know? <laughs> Literally every single picture was, was a child studying and the mother helping her with the studies. So it's really hard to find a picture of, of a mother and a daughter, Asian, or you know. But at any rate, we're going to break that culture, right? We're going to break that stereotype because we're mothers and we're, that are going to love our children, hug our children, and be there for our children. Um, so again, it's the love of a mother for a child. This actually is, is the closest picture, I would say, to God's chesed. And in this passage, we're going to see this love between Naomi and Ruth together. And so in verse 1, it starts out by saying, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine. In the land. And this is verse 1. Now, this informs us that the narrative occurs, this narrative or this story occurs in one of the darkest moments 
of Israel's history. It was the time of the judges where there was no ruler, there's no law, there's no government, and people just did whatever they wanted to do. The whole land was basically a land of spiritual darkness. There was a sense that things were going from bad to worse. Even from a physical standpoint, uh, it says that there was a famine in the land. Even the land itself was cursed. And, and during this time, people asked, you know, they said, where is God? Where is God? Where is this faithful love? The promises and the hope that, 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 that he would give to us. And, and they looked at their leaders and their leaders were fraudulent and reprobate and, and the times and the places, even the, the religious leaders were, 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 um, were not uh, leading people to God and, and people were saying, where is God? Where are we going to find God? And, and the author of Ruth, as he writes this story, he's saying during these times of all the places to find God's faithful love. You are going to find it in the least likely, and that is in the life of a, of a mother and daughter whose story starts out with, with great tragedy, but ends up being an enduring illustration of the Hasid of God, his faithful love. This is the one place in the whole land and in these few, first few verses, we're introduced um, to Elimelech and um, Naomi. And Elimelech, his name means God is my king. And Naomi, her name means beautiful and pleasant. So it's like a really nice couple. You know, God is my king and beautiful and good. We're married together. But because of the famine, they left the land and, uh, and they departed from God. And they had two sons, and their two sons uh, were named Sick One, Malan, and Spent One, Chilion. Spent One means like wasted, basically. Nothing, has nothing left. And so it's kind of like a sense of foreboding of, of, of things to come. And so as uh, this family goes to Moab, we see that, first of all, Elimelech uh, dies. And so it's a, very, it's a great tragedy to lose the head of the household. But at least Naomi has her two sons, sickly and wasted, who will take care of her. Uh, and they're married, so you think, okay, now there's hope. They have a family, they're going to take care of her. But then we see that Malon passes away, Chilion passes away. And then in verse 14, you, you just really get this sense that, that Naomi is alone. Uh, it says, so the woman Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And all of this occurs within like five verses. So it's just like Job. It's like boom, 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 boom. Like, like the narrative is creating this idea that Naomi uh, is beset by this, just this onslaught of, of tragedy. One after the other after the other. Husband gone, both sons gone. And there's this great tension now because the, 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 the line of Elimelech is like going to be annihilated. And for a Hebrew, in the Hebrew culture, that's a terrible tragedy to have your family name be eliminated from history. And not only that, here's a spoiler here, is that Naomi is of the line of David, the line of the Messiah, of Jesus. And so it's not just a threat to one family, it's this apparent threat um, to even the entire plan of God. God being able to show his faithful love, his faithful promises to his people now is under threat because of these deaths. 
And so we look at verse 6. And, uh, and the first thing we want to see from this is that God, uh, in his faithful love, that in difficult times, the faithful love of God uh, has not abandoned us. Okay, I'm sure that's what, what uh, Naomi felt like, but God says, no, I've not abandoned you. Verse 6, then she, Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-laws and returned from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. And so she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now, first of all, there is a sign of hope because it says the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So in this time of struggle, God has has visited them and has been merciful and given, you know, returned the blessing into the land. And there's this um, for word that keeps occurring. It says, return, return. And that's a picture of repentance. This is literally saying, I'm going one direction away from God. And now uh, Naomi is turning and returning back to God. And so this is this kind of first sign that here uh, there's a sense that God is faithful. That, that God, uh, that when we return to God, even in a land where, where there was no light and there was no God and there was no food, God says, I will not forget. You return to me. And so we see this, the first thing we see is that because of God's chesed, we can have a confidence that God will always love us. Now I know we, we kind of think of this like, Take it for granted. I know God always loves me. Of course I know God always loves me. But, you know, sometimes when, when trouble comes, when difficulty comes, we're, we're tempted to go away from God. You know, I want to find my own solution. I mean, that's what Elimelech was doing. He's saying, I've got to take care of my family. I've got to, you know, find a future. So God's not taking care of us. And there's no hope in this land being with God. So we're going to go to... Uh, another land, Moab, and we're going to live there. And we're not going to trust that God will provide for me. Uh, they want to go to greener pastures. Uh, I don't want to stay and see what God is going to do. Or, or even if it's a discipline saying, you know, God is disciplining us, but I'm going to learn from it, and, uh, and I'm going to stay here, and then God will provide in the future. But he says, no, I'm just going to go somewhere easier, somewhere where it's like not that hard. Now, I do want to put a caveat here. If the Lord leads us and gives us opportunity to escape from under a bad situation, I mean, if the Lord is actually leading us away from a bad situation, from an abusive situation, then we should go. We should follow God. But if leaving that situation involves disobeying God, disobeying his word, or actually a, a sense of going away from God, then that's not what we should do. Because see, here in, in chapter one, we see Elimelech and Naomi are physically, there's a physical picture of saying, this is the land, the holy land that God has given, his promise, and they are literally going away from that land to try to find a solution, to try to find a blessing, to try to take care of themselves, to try to find a way to get the things that they want without God. That's what they're doing because they feel like God has forgotten us. But God says, but now as they return or as Naomi returns, there's a sense that God doesn't forget. We don't have to go away. We don't have to go and try to find our own solutions. We don't have to try to find a man-made solution um, from, 
from whatever is happening, but we really stay with God, trust God, walk with God, honor God, and he will never, he will never forsake us. He will never forget us. Uh, this world provides so many ways to, to, if we want to say, escape from God. We talk about discipline as parents again. If, what if every time we wanted to discipline our child, they could walk away to a neighbor's house and get ice cream? That'd be really, really hard, right? It's like, uh, okay, you know, you, you didn't do your homework or whatever. Oh, that's so Asian. You, let's, what's another thing? You didn't treat your, your, your sibling very well, so you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to have privileges on the computer. They go, okay, I don't care. I'm just going to go to uh, my neighbor's house. They let me use a computer all day. Uh, you know, I can go to uh, next door. They're going to give me ice cream, you know, because I didn't, you need your vegetable. You didn't eat right. You know, oh, no, I don't care. You know, I'm going to go to the neighbor's house, and uh, they'll give me ice cream. They don't care. And that's kind of what, you know, we don't, you know, your children will never learn anything, right? If they can just walk away from discipline, walk away from the things that, that we're trying to teach them as parents, right? The same way here, God's saying, uh, stay in the land. It's a dark time. There's discipline. There's strengthening. But you stay here, and you'll learn, and you'll grow, and you'll see how God will provide as we come to him. But Elimelech and his family said, well, no, I, I'm going to go to the neighbors and get my ice cream. I'm going to go to Moab, which is a very terrible place, and make a living there instead. I, I don't want to learn from you, God. I don't want to uh, endure any suffering from you, God, because I can go somewhere else and do whatever I want. And, and, and find where I want. And that's really what this story is about, this sense that, uh, or this part is about, that Elimelech and Naomi thought that they could get away from the things that God was trying to teach them by just going somewhere else. And so um, the first thing that we learn from this is that, hey, God will always love us. Even in those trials and even in those struggles where we feel like, I just want to find another, I can just do it this way. Uh, if I, you know, dishonor God this way, I can, I can get what I want. And God's saying, no, no. Um, there's a reason why there's struggles sometimes. There's a reason why there's difficulty. And if, if you leave just to find something easier, um, uh, you won't gain the benefit of, of what God is trying, what I'm trying to do in your heart and how I'm trying to bless you right now. And that's, that's, one, that's the first lesson. The second thing we see from this is that faithful love involves forsaking our needs and wants in order to be committed to others. And we see an example of this. This is really the idea of hesed, of, of giving, you know, to have faithful love, to have uh, an enduring love involves sacrifice. And uh, we see two examples of sacrifice in these two women. Uh, Naomi actually... Uh, she begins her journey home, and she turns to her daughter-in-laws, both of them. She, her, her sons have married uh, to Orpah and Ruth, and her sons have passed away. Now she has her two daughter-in-laws, and she says to them as she goes back, she says, go each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband. And she kissed them and left them. Uh, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Now, she says to them, may the Lord deal kindly with you. This word kindly is the word hesed again. She's saying, may, the, may God give you his faithful love. May you experience his faithful love because of the kindness or the, the love because of what you have shown to my sons and to me. Naomi is saying, uh, is wishing God's faithful love. And it's not just wishing, it's not just a wish. She is actually expressing God's faithful love to them in this, in this one statement. Uh, 
Because see, in ancient times, these daughters were obligated, they were obligated to provide and care for Naomi the rest of her life. Okay, that's, that's the culture in that time. Because of their vows to their husbands, even though their husbands have passed away, they have still uh, bound themselves to provide for the family. That's how Eastern culture works. And so Naomi, here Naomi is in God's grace and, and faithful love, graciously releasing her daughters from this obligation. I mean, three times in this passage, she urges them to leave her and, and, and go back to their homes. In verse 11, she says, you know, why should you go with me? Am I going to have, you know, more sons, uh, two more sons that you can marry? Uh, even if I married right now, even if I had children right now, would you really wait until then to marry them? She says, no, you've you, you got to go back to your own homes where you're going to find a husband, you're going to be cared for, you're going to be loved. Don't be stuck with me. Um, Naomi says... If you go with me, there's nothing. There's no one. There's no future for you. Now, if you think about Naomi, remember, she's alone. Now, she could certainly use two healthy daughters to help her, right? I mean, to work in the fields, to tend to her in her old age. And she had every right to demand that her daughter, she didn't even have to say, come with me. They were already going with her. To back to the promised land. And so, so this is her right to have these two individuals care for her the rest of her life. And, and she's not looking forward to a good future. And yet she tells them, go home. You're my only means of comfort. You're my only um, future that I have in this world. But I don't want you to suffer with me. So you go home to your family and you find your husbands and you, you have a life. See, one needs to, to appreciate this act of motherly love and sacrifice here um, because this is the same love of God who can, God can demand that we pay the penalty for our sin. I mean, that's his every right as God, as the holy God. To say, to say that we uh, must pay this penalty for sin. But yet in a remarkable expression of selfless love, of motherly love, if you want to say, of hesed, God gave up his only son unto death so that, so that we can be spared the curse of sin, so that we can have life and share in his blessing. And so this really is an expression of the faithful love of God. The second expression of faithful love we see is in verse 14. Ruth, uh, Orpah, kiss her mother-in-law and leaves, but Ruth clings to her. Now the word cling here means to hold on to something strongly, like you can never tear them away from this. And Ruth's act of Clinging to Naomi is like this pledge of loyal love saying, I will never leave you. Um, uh, there's no possibility. There's nothing that's going to make me leave you or let go of you. Uh, even if I'm never going to have a husband or children for the rest of my life, if I follow you, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to take care of you because that's my vow. That's my promise that I have made to you because of the, the wedding vow that I have made to, uh, to my husband. Even though he's passed away, I'm going to hold to that vow and its responsibilities upon me, even though you want to let me release me from it. And that, that again, is this hesed, this, this faithful love. She even says to, him, to her, you know, where you die, um, where you die, I will die. Sorry, this is a, 
yeah. Uh, where you die, I will die, and where you'll be bar- there I'll be buried. May the Lord do to me also, if anything but death parts me from you, meaning may the Lord curse me, you know, if I break this promise. And so she's going to stay with Naomi to death. Now, these are two very remarkable expressions of God's love, of chesed. Two women whose love really sets in motion God's chesed in their lives as well. Uh, these two women are in a foreign land. They have lost everything. I mean, they lost everything. And yet they're willing to give up whatever little they have for the sake to take care of another. That's, that's, that's the love that they're showing. And I find this so remarkable. Uh, it's so moving because you have an entire nation of Israel Millions of people, from priests to judges to the high and mighty, important people and rulers, and you're trying to look for a hope and a light and a proof that God is still there. Where is God's love? Where is God showing up in this entire land? And where does he show up? He shows up in these two women who have lost everything, who have considered by society as the most hopeless and the lowest of society, literally, when they come back to Israel, people look at them and say, you have nothing to offer us because uh, widows are just mouths, extra mouths to feed. And yet, this is the place where God's love, the only place in the land where you see God in the entire nation, where you see the love of God expressed among the people of God. It's not in acts of valor. It's not in noticeable sacrifices. It's not in in all these huge things. It's in simple, selfless love, sacrifice. And as we look at this later on, we're going to see how God uses this to bring blessing to really the entire world. And I want to ask you as we think about this, in what way is God asking you or asking me right now to, uh, to show God's hesed to someone else? Now, again, it's not like these big things. It's just showing sacrifice to love another person. That's all. Uh, there's no love that's too small. No, no, nothing so insignificant. Nothing that, that like, oh, I can't do anything. No, each of us, any one of us can show hesed to one other person. And when we do that, the love of God and the presence of God is with you. Maybe it's uh, loving our husband or our wife. What can I do this week to, to change or to do things that show that I want to honor them, to thank them? If you're a child today and you're here, uh, you're probably thinking about doing something very special for your mom, uh, appreciating her, writing a note that tells that you recognize the things that, that uh, she's done for you, which I know that the mothers love. They need that. But what are some ways that we can do that all the time? Not write a letter all the time, but what is God saying to you about how we can do something to show that we appreciate their sacrificial love? What's something we can do very regularly, like you know, in terms of being patient, in terms of the, word we use, the words that we use, the way we talk to them, or the times that we talk to them? How can we begin to show um, that we want to give this chesed back 
to our mothers or to our parents. Maybe God is calling you to show an act of love of chesed to uh, someone who is needy uh, in your, uh, that you've met. Um, the, uh, the parenting conference, uh, last Friday was our last um, meeting, and, and uh, there's nothing better to remind us of the needs of the people in our community than sitting in on one of those groups and listening to those parents, the fathers, the mothers talk about their lives, about their week, about their children. And, and I sat there and I was thinking, you know, I was talking to the guys and it, it took, you know, the first week it was like just, I knew certain people were kind of really quiet and certain people seemed like they were, I don't know whether they, you know, they didn't want to talk to me or whatever. And so I just kind of greet them and say, hello, how are you? And just talk with them. And, but by the end of the week, I begin to get to know them, talk to them. You know, they, they actually share things, actually can pray for them. And even God laid on my heart to say, you know, hey, this person, man, when he came in, he looked so happy and wonderful and everything was, was, was great. First week seemed like everything's great. By the end of the week, I begin to realize, wow, they need God. This guy really needs God. Another person, same thing. He's just saying it's a tired week. I thought it's just tired week just like me. Then when he shared a little more, it's like, whoa, this guy needs God. He needs, he needs somebody, uh, he needs Jesus. Uh, he needs believers to come as Jesus for him, to show him the love of God, to give him a hope that, that, that this is not everything about his life. And so I do want to challenge you, many of us here, I don't know how many volunteers we had here, but I think many of us here, majority of us here, were volunteers. Now, if you have, even if one, per, if you look at your group, if you're a group leader, even for one night, and you just talk, send an email out to one person in your group, Kai has all the emails, if you want to find out whether well, emails or the contact numbers in your group, you can get them all because they registered. So you got their emails and you, he's got their prayer requests and everything. And if you remember something about them and you want to say hello to them or how are you doing or I was thinking about you and you just send an email next week and say, hey, I was thinking about you and I'm praying that uh, some of the things we learned at the workshop will be helpful to you. Or if two weeks from now we say, hey, haven't seen you for a while, you know, hope things are going well, that's an act of hesed. That's an act of faithful love. That's 19, we had 19 groups. That's 19 people in our community that are going to experience the love of Jesus Christ in the coming week or the next two weeks that, that reminds them that Jesus is there. If you are working with the children, if you're working with the youth, we got the emails of their parents and you can say, hey, you know, I, I miss so-and-so. You know, he was such a, he was, he was so great. Even if, you know, you had a hard time with this, hey, I miss him. He's so great in the class. And I remember when he did this. And I and, uh, just wanted to shout, send a, send a hi to him or just tell you that I love your kid. And I've been thinking about your son or I've been thinking about your daughter. And, uh, and I miss them. And that's a blessing to them to say, you know, when everybody else in school is saying how my kid is so much trouble and so much struggle and the teacher is, is complaining about my kid, but somebody at church said, man, they miss my kid. They love my child. 
they remembered something about my child. And it was only for, you know, four weeks that they had them. They only had them for like a couple of hours, but yet they took the time to say, we love your son. We love your daughter. And they say, man, my teachers have known my kids for years and they haven't said, you know, all they said was that he needs help or she needs help or whatever. Uh, but to have somebody that's outside to say, yeah, we love your child so much. We really miss him. That's, that's a blessing that we can give, that you can give to, to these families. So again, you know, a lot of you youth, you were there helping the children. It's not just a job to say, I gotta get these things done so that you know, the adults can do their thing and reach out. You guys are a part of this. This is not just, I volunteered an hour because they need help. I volunteered an hour so that God can put a child on my heart that I remember because he you know, hit me in the face with a ball when I walked in. But I hugged him anyways. You know, or they, they dogpiled me when I walked in, or whatever they did. But take that time next week, two weeks from now, and say, hey, hey, Kai, what, what's the email of that kid again? What's their parents' name? I just want to let them know that I miss that kid, that, 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 that he was really so cute, so wonderful, and you must be so blessed to have him as a son, or, or he must have great parents. She must have great parents because, man, she's just full of life. She was just so friendly, and I just loved every time when she walked in the classroom. And, and, and those are ways in which we can show blessing to people in the community around us, people who really need Hesed, who have never experienced Hesed before, who've only seen, only seen conditional love or criticism or anger or, 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 or selfishness. But, 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 but with one email, we can, we can show the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God to them. And, and I'll bet you they, they've never, if they don't know Jesus, you know, they've never experienced it. So I, I challenge us today, you can show it. You can find a way. Every single one of us here can find a way to show this love, uh, hesed, towards somebody in need, towards an enemy. Maybe there's somebody who is an enemy, somebody who you've been angry about, or somebody who has been angry at you. And maybe there's a way to show love for them, uh, the helpless or the hurting in our lives. There's so many different ways that we can show God's love. Don't think that these things are nothing just because they're unseen and unappreciated or just little things. Every single individual act of chesed, this is God's faithful love. That's where God is. That's what, that's what Ruth is, the book of Ruth is saying, that this love that, that these two showed towards each other when they had nothing to offer, they had nothing to offer. They didn't say, I have lots of money, I can give you this. I'm, I'm, my life is great, I can do this for you. No, they were both in pain, they were both in loss, and yet they, they, they were able, God says, I have given you something that you can give to another that's gonna show the love of God in their life, it's gonna change their lives, that's, that's hesed. We all have that opportunity and, and we all must show it. How can I show as hesed? So we saw that when we talk about the hesed, the love of God, the first thing we see is that God will never abandon us. Second thing we see is that, that from recipients, we come from recipients of God's hesed to dispensers of God's hesed. We receive God's love, the, God's unconditional love. We should now be giving it out uh, to anybody and everybody. So finally what we're gonna see is that wherever there's hesed, there's hope. And so the two of them, it says the two of them, Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred. And the people said, is this Naomi? 
And she said, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me beautiful. Call me Mara. For the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. So why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? And so Naomi uh, returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, was with her, who returned from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem and be- at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, I want you to notice the contrast here between worldly, what looks in the worldly, and what looks uh, spiritually. You, in the world, you have two widows returning from Bethlehem, one who went with a full family, returned with no family, one who was there with a full family, goes to the land with no family. Both have nothing. Naomi's hardships have so ravaged her that people don't even recognize her. Is this Naomi? Is this the one that we used to call beautiful and, and pleasant and good? And Naomi says, I'm, I'm, I'm not that anymore. You know, God has forsaken me. I've done this to myself. I have no future. My life is empty. I have nothing. That's what the world sees. But Naomi has not returned empty. In verse 22, it says, she returned with Ruth, who is her treasure. Ruth is a widow. Ruth is supposed to be someone who is cared for, and yet she's going to care for her mother-in-law. And then then it ends with these, these words, Bethlehem. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, the beginning of the barley harvest means there's hope, means that, that, that now there's food in the land. It's the beginning of the harvest. And, and maybe you're here today and you feel like I'm running very thin on hope. Things are getting more and more desperate. It's hard to look forward to a future. Maybe there's a sense of guilt or debt, anger. I feel overwhelmed, frustrated. God is saying to you, the harvest is coming. Because wherever there's hesed, there's hope. Wherever we show the faithful love of God to another person, that's where God is. There's hope. Whenever we love our child, uh, even when we're at the end of our ropes and so frustrated and, and have no more patience, but yet God gives us the ability to love on them. That's where God is present, and there's hope. Whenever we're having a struggle at work and things seem to be falling apart and and things are so hard, but when we show an act of kindness towards another person who is also struggling, that's hesed. That's where God is. That's hope. Everywhere we go, wherever there's hesed, there's hope. Let's let's go ahead and let's, 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 let's close 